Live every Thursday night at 7, live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar in Bellevue's Lincoln Square. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka. Come on now, let me take over. And Legendary Donuts on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hey, welcome in to Hawks Live. It's Dave Wyman and Paul Moyer. We're here live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar and got a great show for you tonight. We're going to have here live on stage at 8 o'clock, we're going to have Trey Flowers, corner, rookie, played safety in college. He was a fifth-round draft choice, and he's doing a great job. We'll also talk to John Clayton, Danny O'Neill. We'll go inside the film room with, with Paul. We'll break down three different uh, plays, and then Paul and I will do an opponent preview because I guess uh, the people in Detroit can't stay up till 10 It's o'clock. late, Dave. It's late it's there. It's 10 o'clock so. right now. Yeah. First of all, I want to thank Heritage Distillings Batch Number 12 Vodka and Legendary Donuts, two of our great sponsors that have been with us for a long time. I want to thank them. And, of course, the good people at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar. Paul, we're back from, from London. It's, we, we had the bye week. I don't know about you, but I had a great time out there. I thought the Seahawks did a great job of, you know, they spared no expense. They brought the, the pregame and postgame show. They brought all of us out there. It was, it was really saying, a fun Dave? time. They, they, you're right. They spared no expense because they brought us lowlifes along the way. They brought it was, everybody. It was so much fun. And I was uh, skeptical, I guess, going because it was a long trip for a short amount of time. But... I got to meet my daughter, uh, Taylor, and her husband, Caton, on the back end of their honeymoon. They were in London, so that was a lot of fun. Um, I needed last week to detox because they drink a lot in London. <laughs> they do or well, you do? I, I, yeah. I, I, di- I, did, I, I didn't want to say no. No, yes. You don't want to be rude. No. Right. We, we had so much fun. Yeah. And well, there were some interesting things in London. Like, I, actually, there was a lo- for me, there was a language barrier there. There's a couple times where I was just like, I surrender. I have Proper no idea English? what you're saying. Yeah, maybe that was the problem. <laughs> yeah. So, But no, really, really good win there, too. And that's the thing that made it so much fun. It's kind of like the Super Bowl trips, and the trip to New York was magical, you know, and mostly because we won 43-8. to eight. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the other trip down to Arizona, not so much. So this is what really made it, uh, you know, special was – this team getting on track, 27-3 to victory over the Oakland Raiders. And I know now everybody's saying, well, Oakland's a terrible team. Well, going into that game, it wasn't a given that they were going to be able to beat that team. They've got some talent on there, just like every roster in the NFL. And I thought the Seahawks did a great job. I'll ask you this, Paul. We talked about this this week. What's your favorite part of this team right now? Because... And for me, I picked your group, which would be the defensive backs. And we're going to get Trey Flowers again up here at 8 o'clock. And uh, just an awesome young rookie in the new Legion of Boom, that new version. But uh, offensive line, running backs, who do you like watching? God, Dave, you know what? The, there's a lot uh, just by going that I mean, The running backs, I love them. They're, they're, they're so different in what they bring to the game. The defensive backs, I think I'll talk more about that at 8 o'clock when we get Trey Flowers on, which is a fantastic story. To go from a safety to a corner, that's so rare to start your rookie year. It's almost unheard of, and we'll talk more with him there. But the first thing I wrote, Dave, the very top of my notes is, this O-line is so much fun to watch. And I mean watch on, you know, the coach is real from the end zone and some of the stuff they're doing. And I wrote next, I go, Fluker's my MVP. And and look, there are times, and he got a knock, or some people think he's not the most athletic guy. 
it's usually on plays away when a guy tries to run around him and get upfield, and he's going, I'm not chasing that. You know, I, I don't need to meet, move my feet to get him there. But the point of attack, and I showed actually NASA, our producer earlier, a play where it was kind of a zone read and where he helped out just a little bit um, with Britt. He just gave his left hand just some help on the guard, which allowed Britt to cut the guy off. And then you saw Fluker go through, and he, he just piled dry. He lifted up the linebacker, shoved him about five yards outside to the right. There was this huge hole. And I'm telling you, last year, that doesn't happen. We don't get the help for Britt. He doesn't seal the guy off. We don't get the play accentuated. The hole doesn't get really wide. And that it's probably a no game, maybe a one-yarder. This thing ends up being about a 12-yard play. There are so many of these plays that Fluker does, and now Sweezy and Britt. Now we're starting to see a Fetty. We already know what we got with Brown. Yeah. It's just a fun – If you, I'm a film junkie. I For my spare time when I sleep – can't sleep at night i watch film i just i coach, love it an old coach and player that can't can't put it's, it down. it's kind of sick personally because it <laughs> you know it's like why would you do that but I, when you watch these guys man it is i can watch them all day they're they're that much fun and they're playing that well is this the most skilled offensive line we've ever had no but i think they're playing the best as a group i've ever seen i'm talking Far left, far right, everybody in between. Yeah, how about Jermaine Effetti? And, and that's, great. You know, he is. And really the last four games is when that's clicked for him. And that happens to coincide with DJ Fluker coming back and starting. He missed the first two games. And as you mentioned, you know, the first two games they gave up 12 sacks. The last four they've given up only seven. They've averaged 157 yards on the ground the last four games. And, you know, you can say, well, it's because of DJ Fluker. But also, you know, Moving Sweezy over. J.R. Sweezy moved yep. over to the left side, and that just, it's funny when you get the right combination of people, how things just click sometimes, the right combination of players. And Jermaine Effetti, we had uh, Fluker on the show, and Danny actually pointed out a, a, a play where when he was with the San Diego Chargers, he was playing tackle, and he actually choke slammed a guy to the <laughs> ground, and the official gave him a penalty and said, I don't know if he called it excessive blocking or body slam or something like that. And DJ was like, yeah, I don't even, I've never even heard of that before. But, yeah, he's just a big physical guy. He loves the game. He loves he to play. He loves everything about it. He talks about how, you know, look, you can't just play for a paycheck. you got to go out and have fun. And it's contagious. Yeah, he came into that little room out there, barely fit inside. There. Yeah, he's a big man. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we were doing our show out there, and he just brings electricity. So I think he's like the key, sort of the guy that uh, sort of stirs the drink and gets everything going. Well, when you look at preseason when he was playing, we looked good on offensive line. And then he missed those first two games, and we struggled maybe with, with identity. I don't know if you remember, Dave. Do you remember when they first signed him as a free agent? Yes. My, my son, sent, Nick, sends me this film, and he said, on YouTube, he comes over, and we watch 30 minutes of Fluker on YouTube, his highlight reel. Yeah. And, I, and I end up texting you, I go, Dave, this guy loves football. I remember that. And you, and you just yep. said that. And that, he still does. And I go, he is so good. I go, he gets a knock for sometimes, you know, out in space. But you go watch the screen that we threw to Penny on the one play. Go back and watch that one. He's on the far right side. He comes all the way over to the left. He ends up getting a block downfield with Sweezy. I'm like, this is Fluker. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's crazy. So uh, he does a lot of great things. I think his attitude and the love for the game is what I, I think it's, 
It's what our offensive line is right now. Yeah, doing a great. The other thing, you know, and I feel good about this team right now. Now they're three and three. I think they're a different team these last four games. Three and one the last four. Lost to the Rams and played toe to toe with them, which. The Rams are the best team in the league. Uh, AFC, NFC, in my opinion, they're the only team that's undefeated. You know, you've got Kansas City over in the AFC, and then you've got, you know, I think Minnesota, New Orleans, really good teams. But the Seahawks and Detroit both kind of in that sort of three-and-three area where they're like three-star maybe. And the good news is they're getting back a couple of players, K.J. Wright and Ed Dixon. Now, we haven't really seen Ed Dixon, but... I watched him. When they acquired him, I got so excited about him because he's not a great pass catcher, but he's a great blocker. And you can line him up outside. You can line him up in the backfield, online, like a classic tight end. And when you do throw to him, he catches it. So excited about him. And then also K.J. Wright and his chemistry with Bobby Wagner. I think that Bobby and him are going to start making plays. Bobby's kind of missed K.J. a little bit. Yeah, I think just fresh legs, KJ, having fresh legs. And I think this week off is going to get um, Bobby Wagner some fresh legs because he, he didn't look he, – he looked like he'd played six tough games, you know, in, in the last few games. He just feel like he was just a little worn down. And, you know, as a veteran, that, uh, that bye week definitely comes into play. I'm going to come back to Ed Dixon. You're right. He, he is a fantastic blocker. But he's a good receiving tight end as well. He's not Jimmy Graham. Um, but he is definitely a guy that can take it down the middle, and he'll make the catch. So I'm excited. I really think I'll leave this. If he had played two weeks ago against or last game against Oakland, we scored two more touchdowns. No kidding. Yeah, because uh, one of the Titans didn't get the block. He would have got him. Yeah. Well, and I think that then the problem is Will Disley. Unfortunately, you go watch his last eight plays that he had before he hurt his knee. He was just owning Chandler Jones, just yeah. a great blocker, and now they've been kind of missing that and had to go. Tyrone Swoops came in and did actually a good job, had a nice catch and had a couple of blocks. But, yeah, definitely you need some help at tight end. And then, of course, you get K.J. back. Well, coming up next, we're going to go into uh, – we're going to preview the opponent now. We don't have anybody from Detroit because apparently they're too lazy to stay up until oh, 10 – what is it, 10, 15? You're already starting the war of yeah, words. Yeah, that's right. There we go. But, <laughs> Paul, you and I, we've been looking at a little bit of film, and uh, we'll dive into an opponent preview of the Detroit Lions. That's right here next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar in Bellevue's Lincoln Square. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka and Legendary Donuts on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Paul Moyer and Dave Wyman here from Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar. And right now we're going to get a little bit of an opponent preview. We've got a good show tonight. We've got Trey Flowers showing up here at 8 o'clock, the, the great rookie cornerback. And we got a ticket giveaway going on here at the bar. Come on down. And I'm not sure if it's too late to still get a ticket, but I, I think if you get down here in a hurry. It's never too late, it's Dave. It's never too late. Yeah, free. Who wouldn't want two free tickets to the San Diego Charger game? And right now we're just going to do a little bit of an opponent preview. Typically we get somebody on the phone, but they're back on the East Coast time, three hours ahead. So they're all tucked away in bed, Paul. So we'll... We'll do it. I've been looking at uh, been looking at the Detroit Lions, and they're three and three team, kind of in the same sort of mix where the Seahawks are. Like they're three and three. You look at Green Bay, a team that's kind of a they're three two and one. You could argue they should be four and two because of that stupid penalty they got. But they're just some teams that haven't quite sorted it out yet. And 
Uh, first of all, the first thing with, with the Detroit Lions, we talked to Luke Wilson today, who's playing tight end for them. That's crazy. It was, it was awesome to talk to him. He was one of our favorites, but he's there. Deshaun Shedd is there. And, of course, Golden Tate is one of my favorite players. But, you know, mostly the guy, to me, the key to this game is Matthew Stafford. And Matthew Stafford's been a good quarterback for a long time. And one of the records that you see all the time is Russell Wilson is number two in fourth quarter and overtime comeback games. Who's number one? Matthew Stafford. So since 2012, he's number one. Russell's number two. And he's a guy that is always a threat. And you look at, uh, they got Galladay. Jones and of course Golden Tate that he's got some good receivers there and I think you know as much as we go and we talked to Shamar Stefan today and he was saying you know look you, you shut down the run and you make them one-dimensional I don't ever remember going into a game Paul where the defensive coordinator didn't say let's shut down the run first but you know that that's to me you got to get to Matthew Stafford you got to pressure him, and this defensive backfield, they're going to get a little bit of a test today against a really good quarterback. Well, it's, or, I'm sorry, it's their, on Sunday. Yeah, it's their running game, too. I mean, and it, rightfully so. We got to shut it down. I mean, you got Carry on Johnson. He's got 444 yards so far. He's averaging 6.4 yards a carry. So it's not. Is that a, good, Paul? Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. They should Our, give him the ball more. Well, I, yeah, exactly. Well, you, you had Blunt, who's still in there as well. But just to show you the difference there, who's, he's got 167 yards on 57 carries, but he's only averaging 2.9 yards per yeah, carry. It's kind of the battering ram. Well, but it just also shows that this Johnson kid is really good. He's a rookie. Uh, he had a monster game last week. They, they had almost 300 yards on the ground against, I think it was Miami, right? And, yeah. and look, it's a challenge every week to stop the run. I think we've corrected that part of us. We, you know, Early in the season, we were struggling a little bit. I'll even come. I said that the, the team or the side that I like the most right now, or the most fun to watch, is the offensive line. You watch our defensive line right now; it's really sound. We had six sacks last week against the Raiders. You watch what uh, Reed is doing; it's slipping some blocks and getting down the line. Um, we're doing some good things. So this will be a test on the road because they are, as you said, they're skilled across the board offensively. We're going to have to find a way to get some pressure on Stafford, but we better stop that run first. Well, and stopping the run, I think, is going to get a lot better for the Seahawks because of K.J. Wright coming yeah, back. Now, hurt. you know, here's, here's a guy that we haven't talked a lot about um, that I have been really impressed with being a former linebacker is watching Barkevius Mingo and the, the job that he's done in the run game. And when it's his turn to come up and force, which means, you know, you come up, you hold the edge, you turn every running play back in, he always does a great job. He's got square feet his shoulders he doesn't cross his feet over he does a really good job turning everything back in and kj is a great run defender as well so they're going to get some help but yeah i mean that's that's the number one job you say okay we'll we'll let matthew stafford by the way who has a lesser quarterback rating than russell wilson he has a 99 quarterback rating and Russell is at 105. He threw four interceptions in that first game against the against the Jets. But God, they were horrible. They were. And, you know, two of them went to a linebacker. The guy had a pick six. He also tipped another one up in the air that almost got another one that got picked off. So not to disparage linebackers, but, man, if you get linebacker making plays, I mean, just it's not typical of Matthew Stafford. So that was kind of their stinker game. But, you know, the thing I was looking at, Paul, is, our defensive backfield, you mentioned offensive line. The defensive backfield, to me, is the most fun to watch. And here, here's what they've done. Now, they've faced, so far, not the greatest quarterbacks. So you, you've had Keenum, Trubisky, other than Goff, you know, 
Dak Prescott, Rose, and Carr. Those guys all together, the last six games, have averaged an 88.6 quarterback rating. Their quarterback rating, opponent quarterback rating, is 80. So they're holding these guys to lesser numbers. They're number three in opponent quarterback rating. You're going into a stretch right now where you're facing an average of 105 in quarterback average. The next five games, you've got Stafford, Rivers, Goff, Rodgers, and Cam Newton. Yeah, that's a tough stretch. Matter of fact, uh, I think they're, it's 22-9-1 and nine and one is the record. Mavic, this game to me, this is the playoff game. Uh, Detroit, as you mentioned, very similar. The first two weeks, they lose to the Jets and San Francisco. Two of the worst teams in the league. The next four games, they beat New England. Go figure. They beat Green Bay. And then last week, they, they thumped Miami. The reason why I think this game is so critical is... It's another road game. Technically, we win. We've got three road wins. Oakland counts as one of those. And then these five games against all playoff caliber teams. The reason why we've got to, if we can go three and two the next five games, we're in the playoffs. Because the last five games, four or five were at home. We got 49ers twice, Arizona once. And then we got two tough ones, I think, with um, uh, Kansas City and Minnesota. This game is critical if they want to get to the playoffs. And I think they're playing a good team who's hot right now as well. Yeah, I agree. I think both teams, really, and they're probably saying the same thing out there, that you're, you're facing a, a tough team. But, yeah, this is a tough road test, man. Look, you know, I quoted you this, this week, Paul, that, you know, if you get beat, like they got beat by the Jets in game one pretty badly at home, that's a problem. Yeah. But when you go, you know, on the road, and it, especially you're going, you know, three time zones, over on the Eastern Standard Time, and you're playing a, a team on the road, that's going to be difficult, and it's in, I think, the early game. Yeah, it is a yeah. 10 a.m. game here for yeah. us. Yeah, so you'll be up at like 5.30 no, to go no, do the pregame yeah, show. Yeah, right. Paul. Yeah, so, Nuts. but, you know, Detroit, I'm looking at, like, their opponents, 19-21-1. Our opponents, 18-22. You know, they're, they're two teams that are that are pretty evenly matched, but I guess to me, I, I feel like if the defensive backfield is able to keep Stafford under control, that's really going to be the key to this game. What, what, what are your keys? What do you think has to happen in this game for the Seahawks? Well, I, I, I like what we're doing defensively. You know, we, we're always a bend, don't break at times. So last week was one of the most dominant performance defensively I can remember the Seahawks have. We, they averaged, you know, two yards per attempt throwing the football. I, I've never even heard of that before. Um, but I think what we can do against them is I think we can do some damage against them defensively. Uh, I think we can run the football. They're one of the worst at, at stopping the run. Yeah. Um, they're 32nd in, in, in rushing yards or 30th in yards per attempt. Um, they run a, a 4-3 alignment with a 3-4 defense. So their defensive end or outside linebackers always standing up. It's not great. You know, you just can't leverage and, and squeeze things. I, I just think the way we're running the football, the way they're tr- stopping the f- teams from running – you know, we can keep it away from them and score on our opening drive like we did last week for the first time yeah. in almost three years. Um, there's a lot of positives right now offensively, and I think we're hitting on third downs finally. We're running the football. And if you go watch, and we're going to show some or talk about some highlights here in a minute, the pocket is so clean. We ran the ball seven times in a row to start the game against Oakland. You go and watch the next two times we throw the football, the Oakland defenders just stood up. They didn't even try to rush. They, they were looking for run. By the time they realized it was a pass, you know, Russell had three, four seconds to throw it. So I think that's going to continue, and I think that's how we're going to beat them. 
Boy, I tell you, you pointed this out during the game. They get the opening drive touchdown. First time that's happened since 2016. Yeah. 34 games. Yeah. So you, you start off on the road with, with that kind of drive. Oh, that's, that's huge. Well, coming up next, we'll take you inside the film room. We're going to take a look at three of the biggest plays from last week against the Oakland Raiders. That's right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar in Bellevue's Lincoln Square. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka and Legendary Donuts on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I want to thank uh, Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar for the delicious chicken Alfredo. Before the show, they make the best food down here. Come on out and check it out. Every Thursday we'll be here. And uh, right now we're going to go inside the film room. And Paul, it's probably tough for, for our producer, NASA, to pick three plays because there were so many good plays from this game. But uh, I'll tell you what, the offense was really working. And one of the things that, you know, we talked about the offensive line and the running game, but I feel like also Russell is really getting into a nice flow right now. Yeah, he seems very calm. And partly why it's calm is we're running the football and this play, we'll play in a sec, it, the pocket is huge for him. And he's got so much time. And we'll talk more about this after we do the little highlights. Yeah, and Jerron Brown caps off a 14 play. We talked about this, the first opening scoring drive uh, that they've had in 34 games, I think. And uh, Jerron Brown capped it off with this touchdown. He takes the snap, looks right, steps up, fires inside. Touchdown, Seahawks! Ball is caught by Jerron Brown, five yards deep in the end zone, and the Seahawks get on the Wembley Stadium scoreboard first. Jerron Brown, beautiful catch right there, and they're in trips, shotgun. They've got uh, 11 personnel in the game, so there's a running back in the backfield. Uh, Russell's lined up in shotgun. they got a little uh, bunch formation over to one side with three wide receivers. Doug Baldwin goes in motion across the other way, and and, uh, Darrell Daniels, quarter or the uh, tight end, not known for his pass catching ability, usually a blocker, but runs kind of a little bit of a clear out route. And then Jerron Brown, the thing that impressed me is did a really good job of it looked like he ran his route, but then he found a little bit of a hole in the defense, and and Russell was able to find him. Yeah, there's a lot of good things on this. And when we first saw this play, I was like, going, ah, okay, it's it capped off the 14 play drive. Hey, we first time we scored in 34 games on the opening drive. This is worthy of it. And then you start looking at the play. And Russell, and you heard um, uh, Steve Rabel say he looks right. He looked to his right because yeah. they ran a underneath kind of a slant route um, to, to our right. Well, it was covered. They had a linebacker dropping off in, who would have picked it off or knocked our receiver out. So all of a sudden, Russell comes back left. Well, why is that impressive? Because the pocket was huge. He had so much time that he had a chance to look at his primary to the right, come all the way back left. It was definitely his secondary uh, receiver who ran a kind of an in route that took some time. So we're, we're pass protecting, and that's what's really cool about this right now. Yeah, next play, uh, you know, I thought D-line, really, if you had to pick a group, the defensive line kind of came alive against the Raiders, and uh, they end up uh, combining for, what, six sacks, I think? Six sacks, Unbelievable performance, and the guy leading the way was Frank Clark. Jared Cook slots on the left side. Here comes the rush on car. He gets hit. Ball comes out. The Raiders fall on it, but now the Seahawks have it. They pick it up. 
They're going to go. No, it's going to be spotted down. First down, Seahawks inside the 25-yard line. A strip sack by the Hawks. Jaron Reed is the one who recovers. Yeah, and Frank Clark. And here's the, one of the things that you can do when you're as athletic as Frank Clark and you're going around the edge, going around the edge, you're putting moves on that offensive tackle. All of a sudden, that tackle, his weight starts to come up, his center of gravity, gravity comes up, and uh, I think it was the a rookie, Colton Miller. Yeah. Kid, poor kid. It was his welcome to the NFL moment because <laughs> Frank Clark just did what's called a bull rush, and he just went right down the middle of him and just put him right on his butt and then ends up tackling Derek Carr. The other thing that impressed me, Jacob Martin, he picked up this ball and was like a whirling dervish. He was trying to get to the end zone. Like, It's funny to me when defensive players get their hands on the ball, it's like they revert back to their Pop Warner days. Because yeah. I think everybody in the league was a running back at one point, except for maybe like me, DJ Fluker oh, or Paul Moore. Paul, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's uh, that was very impressive. And he was starting to get there with his pass rush, too. He didn't end up recording a sack, but he's one of those guys that is coming off the edge and Giving Frank Clark a little bit of help because he's, as you pointed out a couple weeks ago, he's getting double teamed quite a bit. But yes. what about this move by Frank Clark? Well, we, we had him on our show a few weeks ago, and then we had him on the uh, post-game show uh, in the locker room uh, for our, our post-game show for, for the radio broadcast. And I was asking him about this because he's in a two-point stance a lot now. Yeah. And he, he mixes it up three-point, two-point, and he didn't want to give me the reason for it. But what I think it allows him to do is get his hands on uh, up on the chest quicker. Rather than coming low, you know, three-point stance, and then you really are looking to make a move. Here, you think a guy who's as light as he is, who's a speed rusher, that a bull rush wouldn't work. But they're on, the, they're on their heels, right? Because they're yeah. trying to protect that speed rush. He's perfected this bull rush where he gets his hands right in the chest, and he's strong, and he just put him over, over the top, and... You know, he, he had one sack call back yesterday, or in that game, too. We had a, a legal hit downfield by, I didn't want to say Griffin. Otherwise, he would have had three and a half sacks that game. Yeah. So he's doing some great things. He has five and a half for the year, and he's definitely our guy. Well, coming up next, uh, the next play, and I thought this was a, a, a play that was indicative of Russell being comfortable. It was kind of a bad snap. He hauls it in and does what the old Russell Wilson used to do. There's a shotgun snap. Russell fumbles the snap, looks, pump fake, steps up, throws to the end zone. Moore is there. He's in the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks. As Moore goes over the back, railing behind the end zone, nearest the stands, but he hangs on for a 19-yard touchdown reception, his third of this season. Yeah, and, and Raves mentioned there in, uh, in the call that Russell fumbled the snap. It was down and away. You know, it was like a slider that came from Justin Britt. And Russell just very calmly picks it up off the ground and then steps up in the pocket and finds David Moore. And I just thought, man, that he looks so comfortable there. And that's where he hasn't looked comfortable in the first couple, three weeks. He, he looks, he's the last few, he's been looking really good. And that looked like a play to me that was the Russell Wilson from, like, his heyday when he was playing really well. And it's not because of, you know, loss of skill or anything like that. I just think he hasn't been as comfortable. And now you see that he's starting to get really comfortable in this offense. Yeah, I think there are a lot of quarterbacks in that play would have just fell on the football, right? I mean, they're going, oh, man, it's on the ground. Russell's athletic enough, he picks it up. And he didn't panic, very calm. And what he did, he was looking for Doug Baldwin initially down the right seam. And the free safety came over and jumped it really quick. 
Russell pulls it down, steps up in the pocket. I, don't, I think there's times now he's going, I cannot believe there is nobody around me. Fluker and, and uh, Britt and Sweezy, the whole left, they, they pushed three guys about four yards to the left of where the ball was snapped. And then you have Swoop, who takes on their defensive end. He's fine. If Eddie really didn't have anybody to block, another perfect pocket. And now Russell's starting to get confident, calm. Um, I, I just poised right now. He's not in a rush anymore. And that's when big plays happen, and we just that's just one of many to come. Well, and hopefully we'll see uh, what we saw in that first play there, an opening drive for a touchdown, uh, get the Seahawks going on the road. Always tough to play on the road. Well, coming up next, we'll talk to the professor, John Clayton. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar in Bellevue's Lincoln Square. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka and Legendary Donuts on 710 ESPN Seattle. Well, you hear the music. First of all, it's Hawks Live. We're at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar, but that can only mean the professor is on deck. Clayton, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Anytime I can hear JB, you got to look. <laughs> This is oh, your yeah. song, huh? This is your intro. That's my intro, Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. John, we were just kicking this around, and we talked about it today on our show. Excuse me. And your favorite part of this team to watch right now, the Seahawks? It's a secondary, because I think you can see a group that's coming together faster than anybody that ever expected. I mean, the fact that uh, you know, the coverage is better. I think you can see that the hitting is better. I mean, you know, the fact that only in two games, Tedrick Thompson has established himself as a pretty decent young free safety. The fact that Trey Flowers has come really as a rookie and has done probably as well as any rookie in the league. I mean, you, you look at what he's doing. I mean, I, I want to almost put it at the Marcus Lattimore level from last year because Lattimore came into New Orleans. And what you can see is Flowers both in coverage and is his hitting, his ability to come up and make tackles on the running plays. That looks good. Shaquille Griffin in his second year looks fantastic as the uh, the right cornerback. I mean that that I mean the left cornerback that looks good. So uh, overall, and then Bradley McDougal, without question, I think is playing even though he probably won't get the votes at a Pro Bowl type level. That the second year yeah. to me is the most exciting. I agree, and uh, you know we're just going over the numbers. Their opponent quarterback rating is number three in the league. Now I know they haven't played a lot of uh, good quarterbacks, but this is going to be a good test for them coming up the next five, where you got Stafford and Rodgers and, and guys like that. So that'll be interesting. You know, we talked to Shaquille Griffin and this week, and, and he said, you know what, I'm going to go get. He had my favorite quote this year during the preseason. He said, I'm going to go get the ball. I found my swagger. I found my swagger. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn around and go get it. And last year it was indicative of that. He did a good job. He didn't want to keep. He kept everything in front of him. He didn't want to get beat deep. When he did get beat deep, on one that comes to mind is the Washington Redskins game. But Kirk Cousins threw a perfect pass, and you just kind of kind of tip your hat to him. He finally gets an interception in the last game against Arizona. But now you know he's already got a couple, and he just seems to to have a lot more confidence to go get it. He really does, and I think that's the interesting part because you move over from one cornerback position to the other cornerback position, and it just looks so natural. I mean, you know, his footsteps seem to be perfect. I mean, he's got the kick step down so well, and now he can anticipate where guys are going where he didn't have that last year. I mean, last year when you talked to him, you know, he admitted, I'm learning everything from Richard Sherman. I mean, Sherman's taught, teaching him everything, and now you can see the carryover because not only is he doing well in the things that he learned from Richard, but now he's helping Trey Flowers learn the things that he learned, and Trey Flowers is doing great at that. So, no, I think that, to me, is the most exciting position because now what you can see, 
is that over the course of two years, they picked up two starters at the cornerback position who are really, really good. Will they be as good as, say, uh, Richard Sherman? Maybe not. But I think they're good enough, and you know maybe that second cornerback position with Trey can be better than what they had with Myron Maxwell and some of the other guys who are good too. So I think it's a great start. Yeah, I I, I agree with you on the Trey Flowers. I go, I don't I don't want to say they're better than you know Legion of Boom, but if you put four of them together, you know they might be in a couple of years because they don't really have a weakness between those four. We're um, going to talk about some injuries. Some guys coming back, obviously, K.J. Wright, and I think a big one is Ed Dixon, tight end. We haven't had a chance to see. One, is he definitely playing this week? And two, who do they let go because of that? How's that tight end rotation look? Yeah, uh, depending on the back injury with Nick Vanette, uh, which I think right now looks pretty good as far as how his recovery was. He wasn't on the injury report today. I think Tyrone Swopes is going to be the one that's going to be let go <clears throat> because even though because I think they can get him back on the practice squad and clearly he bailed them out so well because he came in and literally came off the couch and ended up starting in London and he did pretty well came out in the first quarter made a big touchdown catch and all that but I think that uh, as much as they like him they probably can make him expendable and get him back on the practice squad where you know it's like uh, I think you know one of the moves that might be a consideration down the line I hope not is Brandon Marshall but I think Brandon Marshall still has so much value that you don't want to let him go at this stage so I think it's going to be probably Tyrone Swopes being let go Dixon then they have to decide is it going to be Vanette or is it going to be Dixon trying to be the starter at tight end all, all I know is that they got two guys that know how to block Dixon is a good receiver when they give him the opportunity to do it you know how good they he is as a blocker because he's one of the best blocking tight end in free agency at least when the Seahawks standpoint so I think he's going to be a big value getting him back in the lineup yeah the other thing is on deck is is JD McKissick um you know and I'm not even sure if he started working out yet but he had the broken foot um when do you expect him back John I I would expect him back probably in another week or so now technically you know he's eight weeks but they could have designated him but they have not yet which means maybe he needs another week or two to get through his injury but uh because I mean you notice we're at this stage you know each day there's going to be uh you know with the eight week injury that he has that it's going to take an extra you know you can put him on the uh, designated list they have not done that yet so it sounds like he's got probably another week or two but that's what you wonder about because do they take the gamble if they get an offer for CJ Procise to get a draft choice for him you know maybe it's from Philadelphia maybe it's from another team that needs a running back like Indianapolis and then uh, try to just gamble they can get through another week with the three running backs that they have but I think that McKissick fits in so well because he fits a lot of different areas you know he's real good coming out of the backfield making catches he's real fast at doing that and if needed he can move over to the wide receiver room and be a fifth or sixth wide receiver because he's got that type of experience so you know it he's going to be there within two weeks it's just going to be a matter can he start practicing next week or is it uh, it's not obviously going to be this week but I think he's close to getting back Boy, if Rashad Penny turns the corner and starts to really hit it, and you got Chris Carson continues, Mike Davis, the, the trade of C.J. Procise, if that's even a thing, 
might not be uh, not might that'd be a good asset for them to have around the trade deadline. Oh, no question, because I mean, whether you pick up a sixth round pick, a seventh round pick, or whatever, the team only has four draft choices right now because they gave away a second for Dwayne Brown, a sixth for Brent Hundley, and a seventh for the safety they picked up from the Oakland Raiders. So it's good to get another pick because uh, you know the one thing that you know John Snyder likes to have is the ability to have nine to ten picks in the draft, and right now he only has four, but you know he'll maneuver to be able to get the extra picks that he needs to get what he needs in next year's draft. So I would have to think that uh, if they, they can find an interested team in ProSize, which I can't believe that somebody wouldn't be because say what you want about ProSize. We can criticize him for being always injured, always not available to play, but the guy has talent. I mean, you, you saw with Alex Collins last year in Baltimore, he went there and gained over 900 yards. I mean, ProSize has the ability to catch 50 passes in a season, maybe gain about 500 or 600 yards. There's a value there, but right now they've got three running backs, including Penny on this team, that are better than him. Talk a little bit about Detroit. Uh, this is the craziest team, I think, year to date, just because they get blown out by, I think, two of the worst teams in the league right now, and the Jets in San Francisco, win three of their next four, beating New England and Green Bay. What are they doing? What, what, what it, should, tell us something about this team maybe the, the listeners don't know about. Well, I mean, typically, this is like the typical thing when you go for a new coach that you don't know how he's going to do it. And they go for Matt Patricia. And again, this league is now so oriented to getting offensive head coaches. And you can see it. You want the offensive coaches with the big offensive staff to come in there and change things. So they go to Patricia. And it takes a little bit more time, I think, with a defensive coach. Because, I mean, you see it in Arizona, which right now is not working out. But you see it working better with Detroit because he comes in it takes him a little bit of time to get the defense adjusted because you know he does a little bit more some two gap stuff when he goes a little bit three four and so it takes a little bit of time but now he's getting the running game going which is something that hadn't happened with Jim Bob Cooter for the last two years and then the offensive line even though they haven't performed as great as they could doing a decent job. And defensively, they're getting better. Still not good against the run. But I think Patricia's starting to get this team together. You know that Matthew Stafford is doing a good job right now. He's probably playing his best ball in maybe three or four years. And the fact that they got the emphasis on the running game, you know, because that is so important. They didn't do that for two years. Now they're doing it. And I think that's making things better. But how good they are is still going to be debatable. But I think they're starting to gain some energy. And at least right now, they're trying to get some uh, 12th man stuff going in Detroit because now you get players calling out for the fans to be there and try to cheer for them. Oh, really? They haven't had been filling them up there, I see. Well, they've been, they've been filling them up, but, I mean, you know, Detroit has been so crazy as far as the disappointments. I mean, because you go back and it's like you have to almost, I mean, you know, they still have the curse of Bobby Lane on them. Bobby Lane, of course, was, I mean, this is even when I was like about five, six years old, gets ended up trading traded as a top quarterback to Detroit, from Detroit over to Pittsburgh. He goes to Pittsburgh and he says, this team's never going to win a championship game and they're never going to win a playoff game. So they go 50 years without winning a playoff game. It's called the Bobby Lane curse. And so far it's held up. And I don't know if they can be able to change it. Matt Matt Patricia had a tough job in trying to change it. But right now the question is, can they make the playoffs? Yeah, and also with their coach, Patricia, what's with the pencils? 
Yeah. No different he, than Mike Tyson. He's an obsession with pencils. Yeah, Mike, Mike Tyson did the same thing. I think it's just one of those things that you start doing it for a while. You want to be a workmanlike type of coach. I mean, he's a defensive coach, like Mike Tyson was an offensive line coach slash tight end. And you get that pencil there, and it just kind of, you know, Bill Belichick used a little <laughs> bit of the pencil. It's one of those things where it's like you look like you're the guy that's going to be right on the sidelines working with the players. It's an identity type of thing more than it is a personality type of thing. Who's your buddy that played Denver offensive lineman? Schler- Schlerit? Mark Schlerit. Mark, Schlerit, Mark yeah. did a he did a little skit with uh, Patricia and gave, he said, "Hey, we give me the game plan, third down game plan." And he said, "No." And he he slid he a, he slid a pencil. pencil and he mm-hmm. said and he pushed it away and they gave him a pack of pencils. He said, "Okay, I'll give you the game plan." <laughs> yeah. So he's got a sense of humor. No, I, I like the That's... guy. I mean, you look at the beard and you look and you say, "Man, this thing is out of touch because he's got such a big <laughs> beard." And I, I really like Matt. Uh, because I think that I mean he's a players type of coach. Certainly he's made it a little bit tougher on the players because he gave him a real tough training camp, and maybe it was a little bit too tough for that team because you know they've been a soft team for so many years. Now they're a much tougher team. I, I hope that Matt does well. Maybe not necessarily this week, but certainly over the course of time. Well, John, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate your time, and uh, I won't be able to talk to you tomorrow. What were you doing? Oh, I'm heading off to Detroit. Oh, that's right. But yeah, you leave a, early. Okay. Yeah, but I'll see you uh, on the sidelines. You'll be doing the sideline work for us uh, on the on the broadcast on Sunday. Right now, I'll be with Paul in the morning, so uh, we'll talk to him at about Paul in the morning. Well, oh, actually, it'll be about deal. eight be there early. Eight ten. Eight, eight, ten. Eight, ten. Yeah, yes. it's going to be early for him. All right, Professor. Thanks a lot. Take Thank care. Yeah. All right, there goes John Clayton, the professor, and uh, coming up next, rookie sensation Trey Flowers. That's here on Hawks Live.